Hi, and welcome to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message, where we study scripture together verse by verse. Let's jump in now for this week's message. The water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam. I, don't, I didn't know for sure if I got it on this map. There's the town called. So they're, they're, they're crossing somewhere along here in this area. We don't know exactly where, but Adam is way up here. And so they see, can you imagine, I mean, I like to fly fish. I go in the San Juan River every once in a while or the Animas River and you step into the water. Can you imagine if you stepped into the water and all of a sudden it parted across and it just starts going up river, starts flowing backwards? The God of all of the earth the water above that point began backing up a great distance uh, away at, at a town called Abr- uh, Adam, which is near uh, Zarathan. And the water below that point flowed onto the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over, the, over near the town of Jericho. Verse 17, meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. Seems like we've seen a picture like this before. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. This time, instead of retreating in fear, the whole nation of Israel walked in obedience across the dry riverbed of the Jordan. This is not another Kadesh Barnea. Courage takes the what ifs out of the equation. Have you been there before? God points you in a direction. Well, what if? This is what we do now. What if the economy gets worse? What if the housing market explodes? What if? 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 And then we turn around and stop following God. Courage to walk in obedience comes from seeing God be faithful and powerful and sovereign over and over. I believe that the Israelites, when Joshua tells them we're going to cross the Jordan, they're thinking, we've heard stories of God parting the Red Sea. Him parting the Jordan River, no big deal. I'll be there. I'll be a part of it. You know, somebody's going to say, well, what if it's, this is the harvest season. What if it's high flow? What if it's too big for God to part the river tomorrow? We love those folks. Church, this is not, this is not courage for you to demand your will or your wants from God. This is courage to selflessly follow God into the reality of his promise. You should write that down. That's good. This is courage to selflessly follow God into the reality of his promise, his glory, not your glory. His salvation, not your goodness, not your righteousness. No, no. This is courage for you to selflessly follow God into his promise. Number three. A reminder of courage in God, a reminder. We need to be reminded of our courage in God because we forget, I'm telling you, I'm not asking a question, you do forget. Joshua chapter four says, when all the people had crossed the Jordan, 
the Lord said to Joshua, now choose 12 men, again, one from each tribe. Tell them, take 12 stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. Carry them out and pile them up at the place where you will camp tonight. I don't know if I got this. Oh, I did. Good, 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 good. So this is a Gilgal. So they try, they cross the river. Joshua tells them to, to pick up some rocks from the river and we're going to carry them. Uh, it's probably about a mile and a half, if I remember right. It's about a mile and a half over here to Gilgal where they're going to camp. So Joshua uh, called together the 12 men he had chosen, one from each of the tribes of Israel. He told them, go into the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each of you must pick up one stone and carry it out on your shoulder, which makes me think that it's a big rock. It's not just a little rock. It's a big rock. You're going to carry it on their shoulder and they're going to heave it across the desert for a mile and a half to Gilgal. Twelve stones in all, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. Verse six, we will use these stones to build a memorial. I just got lost in my notes. We will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask, what do these stones mean? Because there's going to be this pile of big rocks from the river that's a mile and a half away. Why are all these river rocks piled up here? What do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, you can tell your children. They remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. Now watch this. Remember when God led Israel out of slavery in Egypt, God supernaturally parted the waters and obliterated the Egyptian army. Remember that happened? Yeah, well, it seems like just a few days later, Israel had already forgotten what God had done for them because they began to complain that God had brought them out to the desert just to die. They see God do something miraculous and in a few days, they're like, oh, here we are. God can't even save us from this. Church, create a reminder of some sort, like on your phone. No, not on your phone, don't do that. Create some sort of a reminder in your home, in your family, so that as your children get older, you can remind them of what God has done. Remind them. I grew up in a pastor's home, and uh, boy, we saw lots of things happen in church and in our family. And there's every time we got in the car or sat around the dinner table, we talked about the things that God has done. I think that uh, eating reminds me of a great God. Mm. Every time I drive by the Marriott, uh, the one down here, is it on Scott? Um, or down here on Schofield Lane, I am reminded of times that God miraculously intervened in the story of Desert Heights Church. To others, maybe they're just a pile of stones. To me, they're a reminder of God being present and leading this church. I hope that you and your children will see this building as a memorial to what God has done and is doing in your life. I hope that for generations to come, uh, if Jesus doesn't come back, that your children and your grandchildren will know that this is where you came to know the God of the heavens above and the earth below. The Lord willing, this building will be where our grandchildren will learn about God as well. Remember the stories. 
Tell the stories of things God has done in your life. Repeat the stories over and over of all the great things that God has done. This is, by the way, kind of a side here. This is why we need to be reading the Old Testament. We need to be reminded of the great God, the miracle-working God that we serve, because sometimes we forget. Amen? I like the way you're looking at me. Did he just tell us to read the Old Testament and we said, oh, man? I mean, amen? (laughs) Number four, obeying with courage in God. Obeying with courage. Courage in God. Verse six, chapter six, Joshua. Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. We just heard that from Rahab. They're terrified. Their hearts are melting with fear. The gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in, but the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Again, strange strategy. Verse four, seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. Oh, now we got the flip-flop wearers with some trumpets. Good. Seven trumpets, I mean, seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast of the ram's horns, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. So God, let me get this straight. Our strategy is to march around the town, get our people all worn out, and then we're going to yell. Okay, God. So Joshua, having his courage in the Lord of heavens above and the earth below. So Joshua called together the priest and said, here's our strategy. Take up the ark of the Lord's covenant and assign seven priests to walk in front of it, each carrying a ram's horns. Get the good ones out. Then he gave orders to the people, march around the town and the armed men will lead the way in front of the ark of the Lord. After Joshua spoke to the people, the seven priests with the ram's horns started marching in the presence of the Lord, blowing the horns as they marched. And the ark of the Lord's covenant followed behind them. Some of the armed men marched in front of the priest with the horns and some uh, behind the ark with the priest continually blowing the horns. Do not shout, do not even talk, Joshua commanded. Not a single word from any of you until I tell you to shout, then shout. So the ark of the Lord was carried around the town once that day, and then everyone returned to spend the night in the camp. Verse 12. 
Joshua got up early the next morning and the priest again carried the ark of the Lord. The seven priests with the ram's horns marched in front of the ark of the Lord, blowing their horns. Again, the armed men marched both in front of the priest with the horns and behind the ark of the Lord. All this time, the priests are blowing their horns. On the second day, they again marched around the town once and returned to the camp. They followed this pattern for six days. On the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn. You don't get up at dawn unless there's a sense of anticipation, right? On the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the town as they had done before. But this time they went around the town seven times. The seventh time around, as the priests sounded the long blast on their trumpets, Joshua commanded the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the town, Jericho, and everything in it must be completely destroyed as an offering to the Lord. That's important. Only Rahab, the prostitute, and the others in her house will be spared, for she protected our spies. Listen carefully, verse 18. Do not take anything, any of these things, set apart for destruction. This is why we read the instructions, so we know what to do. Because if we don't read the instructions, we might do something we're not supposed to do. And then we're not following God. And then he stands against us. Verse 18. Do not take any of the things set apart for destruction, or you yourselves will be completely destroyed, and you will bring trouble on the camp of Israel. That's a side story. We'll come back to it here in a minute. Everything made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron is sacred to the Lord and must be brought into his treasury. When the people heard the sound of the ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. They completely destroyed everything in it with their swords, men, women, young and old, cattle, sheep, goats, and donkeys. They killed the donkeys. It's a violent group. Verse 22, meanwhile, Joshua said to the spy, to the two spies, keep your promise. Go to the prostitute's house and bring her out along with all her family. The men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, mother, brothers, and all the other relatives who were with her. They moved her family, her whole family to a safe place near the camp of Israel. Then the Israelites burned the town and everything in it. Only the things made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron were kept for the treasury of the Lord's house. So Joshua spared Rahab, the prostitute, and her relatives who were with her in the house because she had hidden the spies Joshua sent to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. I'm telling you, obeying God takes courage. Marching around a walled city for seven days and then blowing trumpets is not a logical military tactic. You don't have to be in the military to know that. <laughs> Courage is, I can't say this big enough. Courage is knowing that when you obey God, he will do what needs to be done. But God, this doesn't make sense. 
doesn't need to make sense to you. It makes sense to him. And he's the one doing, not you. <laughs> Leaving the spoils of war instead of rewarding your warriors who are, you know, they think they're doing all the work. That doesn't make sense. But that was God's instructions. It takes courage to do what God says to do when, God, when what God says seems to be illogical or unreasonable or simply, I have a better idea. Right? Right? Oh, don't look at me like, you're guilty of it? I know. We don't rebel against God. We just say, oh, God, that's your way of doing things, but I have a better idea. You tell the creator of heavens and earth, the provider of your salvation, the person who, the God who breathed life into you, and you go, I have a better idea than you, God. <laughs> yeah, you're an idiot. We are back to where we began this morning. Obey God and there are blessings. Don't obey God and things fall apart. This is still abundantly true today. One more story and then I'm gonna quit, okay? I'm quitting because there's still so much more, so much more. We're a long ways from finished. Number five, disobedience leads to discouragement. So picking up the story, but Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. I'm gonna read that again because it's an important segue in the whole story. I hate that there's a chapter break here. There's a big change here, but I don't like the, cha the chapter break. But Israel, they just conquered Jericho. The walls came tumbling down. We sang about it in children's church, right? The walls came tumbling down, huge victory, chapter change, verse one, chapter seven, but Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. A man named Achan had stolen some of the things dedicated, some of these dedicated things, so the Lord was very angry with the Israelites, not just Achan. Achan was the son of Carmi, uh, the descendant of Zimri, son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah. That's gonna be important here in a minute. Verse two, Joshua sent some of his men from Jericho so that there's like, verse, verse one is like, here's what's about to happen. Now we're going back to the storyline, the, the, yeah, the storyline. Joshua, so Jericho, big victory, everybody's happy, yay God. Joshua sent some of his men from Jericho to spy out the town of Ai, east of Bethel, uh, near Bethaven. When they returned, they told Joshua, well, I didn't even do it on this map. So I, oh yeah, I is, I don't know if I covered it up or if it's not there. It's right here in this, I think it's that flag right there, I. I is there. So they're gonna go from Jericho. They sent some spies over here, check it all out. Joshua sent some of his men from Jericho to spy on the town of Ai, east of Bethel, near Bethaven, where they returned. When they returned, they told Joshua, there's no need for all of us to go up there. It won't take more than two or 3,000 men to attack Ai. Since there are uh, so few of them, uh, don't make all our people struggle to go there. So they go and they come up with their own military strategy. I'm not saying it's wrong, just saying, we're on some thin ice. We need to pay attention to what we're doing. So approximately 3,000 warriors were sent, but they were soundly defeated. You ever, you ever go along in your Christian life and it's like, man, life is good. And then, wham, you get soundly defeated. Watch, watch the behavior here. 
The men of Ai chased the Israelites from the town gate as far as the quarries, and they killed about 36 who were retreating down the slope. The Israelites were paralyzed with fear at this turn of events, and their courage melted away. These are men who have seen incredible miracles by God. They lose one battle. And they're laying in the dirt. Oh, it's so hard. Oh, this is terrible. We can't do this. Joshua and the elders of Israel tore their clothing in dismay, (laughs) threw dust on their heads and bowed face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord until evening. We have messed up so bad. Where is God? Then Joshua cried out. I like Joshua, but this is not his finest moment. Joshua cried, oh, sovereign Lord, why did you bring us across the Jordan River? If you're going to let us, if you're going to let the Amorites kill us. If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the river instead of being conquerors. Why can't we just be lazy and stay over there? Come on, Joshua. Joshua, he... I just, I'm, I, I guess I read this and there's a little bit of shock value to it. Joshua blamed God. He said, you brought us across the river. Hey, God, creator, Lord God almighty, sovereign God, Elohim, it's your fault. <laughs> and there once was a man named Joshua. <laughs> he led two battles. <laughs> No, no, no. Joshua, he's, he blames God, second guests uh, obeying God because he says, we should have just stayed on the other. We shouldn't have followed God into the promised land. We should have just stayed on the other side where it's comfortable. We should do what's comfortable instead of, instead of following God into the craziness because we don't really know what's out there. Verse eight, Lord, what can I say now that Israel has fled from its enemies? We're a bunch of scaredy cats and everybody knows. For when the Canaanites and all the other people living in the land hear about it, they will surround us and wipe our name off the face of the earth. And then what will happen to the honor of your great name? God's whole plan is messed up all because of Achan. We can't go into the promised land. God has been building this up from the time of Genesis 12. Uh, well, even before that, the beginning of Abraham, Abram, back when Abram was just Abram, not Abram, Abraham, God's had this plan and now stinking Achan has messed up a whole 400 year plan. Huh. Isn't that how we think of it? It's like we're going along, we're living our life and we say a swear word it's like, oh, the end of the world. But the Lord said to Joshua, I think he said it like this, get up. (laughs) Oh, but Joshua's bowing before the ark of the Lord and he's crying out to God. He's like, get up. My kids like to tease me about whenever I would get angry with them, but we were in public. I would grit my teeth and I would get real close in their ear, right up against the side of their head. And I would say, you behave. That's what God did to Joshua right here. I'm telling you, if there was ever somebody that wet their pants, Joshua, should be, he should be <laughs> gird up that robe, dude. Get up. Why are you laying on your face like this, Joshua? Wow. Dude, I don't want God to ever speak to me like that. 
Why are you laying on your face like this? Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They have stolen some of the things that I commanded must be set apart for me. And they have not only stolen them, but have lied about it and hidden the things among their own belongings. That is why the Israelites are running from their enemies in defeat. And now Israel itself has been set apart for destruction. I will not remain with you any longer unless you destroy the things among you that were set apart for destruction. Verse 13, again, Joshua, get up. Command the people. Joshua, you're the leader. Get up and lead. Command the people to purify themselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Hidden among you, O Israel, are things set apart for the Lord. You will never defeat your enemies until you remove these things from among you. In the morning, you must present yourselves by tribe, and the Lord will point out the tribe to which the guilty man belongs. Oh, this is terrifying. The Lord will point out the tribe to which the guilty man belongs and the tribe must come forward with its clans and the Lord will point out the guilty clan. That clan will then come forward and the Lord will point out the guilty family. Finally, each member of the guilty family must become forward one by one. The Lord, the one, pardon me, verse 15, the one who has stolen what was set apart for destruction will himself be burned with fire along with anything, everything he has, for he has broken the covenant of the Lord and has done a horrible thing in Israel. Early the next morning, Joshua brought the tribes of Israel before the Lord and the tribe of Judah was singled out. The tribe of Judah was singled out. They all stepped forward. Then the clans of Judah came forward and the clans of Zerah uh, was singled out. Then the families of Zerah came forward and the family of Zimri was singled out. Remember verse one, they told us Achan and then they gave his lineage. Every member of Zimri's family was brought forward person by person and Achan was singled out. Then Joshua said to Achan, my son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, by telling the truth. Make your confession and tell me what you have done. Don't hide it from me. Achan replied, it is true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. Among the plunder, I saw a beautiful robe from Babylon, 200 silver coins, and a bar of gold weighing more than a pound. I wanted them so much that I took them. They are hidden in the ground beneath my tent with the silver buried deeper than the rest. So Joshua sent some men to, to make a search. They ran to the tent and found the stolen goods hidden there, just as Achan had said, with the silver buried beneath the rest. They took the things from the tent and brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites. Then they laid them on the ground in the presence of the Lord. Story challenges our idea of New Testament grace, doesn't it? Ooh. Then Joshua and all of the Israelites took Achan, the silver, the robe, the bar of gold, his sons, daughters, cattle, donkeys, sheep, goats, tent, everything he had. And they brought them to the valley of Achor. Then Joshua said to Achan, why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will now bring trouble on you. And all the Israelites stoned 
Achan and his family and buried their bodies. They piled a great heap of stones over Achan, which remains to this day. That is why the place has been called the Valley of Trouble ever since. So the Lord was no longer angry. Wow, Brent, this is kind of a dark story to end uh, this morning. We could have stopped at the walls Jericho falling and we'd be happy, happy, happy. Moses' final challenge to Israel before he died was Deuteronomy. Love the one true God. Obey the one true God. Worship the one true God. If you do nothing else in this life, love, obey, and worship the one true God. In just a short amount of time, we see how, how when Israel obeyed God, they were supernaturally blessed. And when they disobeyed God, they were supernaturally defeated. Israel courageously obeyed God, crossed the Jordan River, and conquered Jericho. They had seen God work miracles before. So when it came time for them to obey, they had the courage to step into the water, so to speak. There's the song. Yeah. Does anybody know that song? Step into the water. Go out a little bit deeper. Anyways, Thomas says, he says, he says preachers preach and singers sing. Hush, Brent. Our courage is not in silver or gold. Because see, this is, this is the distraction. We have God who we love and we obey and we worship. We give him our all. And then all of a sudden there's that robe from Babylon. It's like, oh, maybe I need that. And silver, I need that for sure. I can use that. And we get distracted from following and obeying God. Our courage is not in silver and gold. Our confidence is not in silver or gold or fast chariots or cars. Our courage is in the Lord alone. I say that with the deepest of conviction. And I want you to get your brain around that. Our courage is in the Lord alone. Only he is more valuable, more important than all the gold and silver in this entire world. Our courage gets tripped up when we begin to see something or someone as more valuable to us than the supreme God of heavens above and earth below. We put all of our faith in God and then we have courage to follow him into what appears to be impossible and even unreasonable. You've been listening to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message. We would like to invite you to one of our service times at 9 or 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings here in Farmington, New Mexico. If you'd like more information, please visit our website at desertheightschurch.com.